Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gurchak. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Susan Wolf to our show. Dr. Wolf is the CEO and Dean of Great Falls College, Montana State University in Great Falls, Montana. Susan, I'm so happy to have you on our show today. Thank you for the invitation. Can you talk a little bit about Great Falls College and why students select your institution? Yeah, um, you know, when I, when I think about Great Falls College, this will be my last institution um, with, with, with whom, with which I will work with um, in this role because I will be retiring um, at the end of this academic year. But I want to say that the reason I absolutely love this institution and the work that we do um, is we're so focused on students. And um, when, when people talk about Great Falls College, MSU, um, we make sure that everyone knows that this is a place that provides easy access um, to further your career and your degree seeking. Um, it's affordable. Um, the tuition at the two-year institutions are about half of what they are at the four-year institutions and our programs are very relevant to today's workforce. And that's why we really promote this college um, to prospective students. Uh, we also offer classes and programs using a variety of technologies um, because we recognize the vast majority of our students are working adults who have lives, they have children, they have work lives, they might be taking care of parents, all those things that happen when you become an adult. And what we're really recognizing more and more and even before the COVID-19 pandemic is that people, especially working adults are not able to pick up and move to an institution to pursue their degree. So we're really focusing on how do we use a variety of technologies to take learning out to where people are? Um, so I think that, you know, as the year goes on and, and hopefully into the future, that will continue. Uh, we're also very well known for the broad range of health science programs. Um, we have a complete simulated hospital at this college, um, thanks to a, a federal grant, but also to our local healthcare partners who helped furnish that. Um, in health sciences, we have dental assisting. We have the only dental hygiene program in the state of Montana. We offer physical therapy assistant, respiratory therapy. Um, we have both the LPN and the RN nursing programs. And with the LPN, we have a variety of ways that people can move up in that career ladder. They might be a CNA. Um, they're still working full-time. They need to continue to work full-time. So we now have a part-time um, LPN program. Um, and that came at the request of the providers who said, we wanna keep these people, but they can't, um, they can't move up without a degree and we wanna figure out how we can do that. And we also offer that program completely online. Um, so we have students all over the state of Montana 
um, again, wanting to move up in their facilities to become licensed practical nurses. Um, and then with the RN program, we had um, the highest uh, pass rate and success rate for our RN students of any of the institutions in Montana last spring. And that was at the end or the beginning, I guess you would say, of the COVID pandemic. So these students had their education and their learning disrupted. Um, and we uh, used a lot more simulation. And then they came back, they finished up in the summer and again, it was the highest pass rate in the state. So we're very proud of them. We have a surgical tech program and we're starting the third year of providing that program both in Billings and in Bozeman, besides in Great Falls, again, using remote technologies. We have the EMT paramedic, we have health information coding specialist and health information technology. So really if people are interested in uh, the healthcare field, we provide a variety of opportunities um, for them. So um, I would say those are some of the reasons that people look to Great Falls College. But I think, again, I wanna go back and say more than anything, they know this is a place where every single person who works at this college is here for the reason and the only reason of student success. And you forgot to mention, it's a beautiful campus. I've been there a bunch of times. I, I love walking into that building. It's just, it's just wonderful. You guys have done a great job there. Thank you. So what's, what's going to be new in 2021, 2022 for Great Falls? What are you guys up to? Programs, facilities, services, partnerships, collaboration? Yeah, that, you know, we can't just sit still. I mean, that's not what life <laughs> is. That's not who I am. Um, so we worked really closely with City College, with MSU Billings, Gallatin College with Montana State University in Bozeman to create the One MSU Network. And this is again, taking out the learning to where people are um, using remote technologies. And I mentioned the surgical tech and the respiratory therapy. What we found in Great Falls was we had saturated the market with our healthcare providers here, but yet we knew that the um, professionals were needed in these two areas. The two hospitals, uh, Billings Clinic and SLC St. Vincent's in, um, in, uh, in Billings, excuse me, um, they reached out and said, we really need to have respiratory therapy. And um, Dean Trier at City College at MSU Billings had had experience overseeing a respiratory program at another institution. So the, the three of um, our colleges got together and we created this one MSU network. Students will be able to take their prereqs at any of the three colleges, and then they will um, apply to Great Falls College for surgical tech or, or respiratory, respiratory. Right now for um, Surge Tech, which is a spring start program, we have 14 students from Billings and five from Great Falls. So again, we're able to help um, people where they live, they can stay there, they can uh, grow their careers right where they're currently living. That's very exciting. Thing, oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, the other thing is cybersecurity. So um, we became a center of academic excellence in that field um, a year ago and our students will have our first graduates in May. And um, we are going to have two internships, paid internships 
with the Montana State Information Technology Services Division down in Helena. So again, we're trying to not only take learning out to where people are, but we want to get our students out into workplace learning opportunities while they're earning their degrees. So that's um, another area that we want to grow. Um, I wanna talk about our eight week advantage. This is something that's really unique um, to the state of Montana. We have one of our four-year universities that has a block program where students take one class for three and a half weeks. It's an experiential learning program. Um, we knew that wouldn't work with our um, working adults because students are in those classes for you know, almost half a day or a little bit longer. Students can focus on two or three classes instead of five. They're building relationships with only the students and the faculty in those fewer classes. Um, and they're getting through. And at the end of eight weeks, they have earned credits. They have found out, yes, I can do college level work. And they're very excited to continue on. And what we're finding is our retention rate is improving and students are able to earn more credits per semester. Um, the other really good thing about the eight-week advantage is students can enroll in the second block. So let's say in August, I'm still working highway construction or I'm still doing harvest or I'm still fighting fires. I can't register in August and start taking classes, but I can in October. So this year we had over 70 new students start with us in October. So our end of term enrollment, both headcount and FTE is higher than at the beginning of the semester. So there's a, a distinct advantage for the institution as well. Um, another opportunity for students to get workplace learning is in our welding program. Last spring when we had to close because of the pandemic, uh, we had students who still needed to get those hands-on hours welding, because how do you learn how to weld? You've got to be welding, welding, welding. And ADF International offered um, a three-week paid internship with them for students to be able to continue getting those shop hours. And it worked out so well for them and for the college that we're continuing that into this year. And then finally, Dave, um, when you talk about facilities, we're in the middle of construction of an addition to expand our dental programs. And that was uh, thanks to our 2019 legislators um, who approved that um, request. And uh, I'm so excited to see every day the progress on that building, knowing that we can admit seven more students per year uh, into the dental hygiene program. So we're going from 18 students a year, a year to 25 in the first year. Second year, um, as they continue on, eventually we'll have 50 students in that program. So we're very excited about that. So are all your programs eight week advantage? Um, all of them except the health science programs. And the reason we couldn't do those that way is that our um, providers couldn't do a condensed clinical. That makes sense. Uh, because they're not only providing space and time for our students, but also for other institutions. And so we, we looked at that and students in those health programs are 
highly successful because they're in a tight cohort. They're um, all taking the same classes at the same time with each other, with the same faculty, um, and they form study groups. So they've always been really successful. Um, you know, we've been able to retain them and they ha have high degree of pass rates um, and earning their um, licensing. So we weren't worried about them, but it was our undecided students, um, particularly that we started out with, with the eight week block, but we've moved that now into our trades programs and also all of our general studies, including anatomy and physiology and all of the prereqs for the health science programs. Holy cow, exciting stuff up in Great Falls. It is. Um, so looking at your bio, you are a fifth generation Montanan raised on a cattle ranch homesteaded in Hall, Montana in 1876. You earned your bachelor's degree from Montana State University. Later in your career, you earned a master's and a doctor's degree from Oregon State University. You have been the CEO and Dean of Great Falls College since 2012. Prior to that, you held academic leadership positions in both Oregon and Washington. So let's talk about your impressive career and the path that you took that you eventually brought you back to Montana to become the CEO and Dean of Great Falls College MSU. Uh, let's start, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go back about 35 years. Let's, let's, let's just start you off in 1986 when you were the Associate Director of Continuing Education at Oregon State University. Uh, what did you do and, and then where did you go from there? Um, that was a, a hiatus time for me. I had been at Lynn Benton Community College in Albany, Oregon, um, starting in 1976 as adjunct faculty. And then within a year, they asked me to become, um, you know, also in addition to teaching, to become a part-time administrator. And um, I had moved up um, doing different jobs and I had applied for a job, which I had been the interim for a year. Um, but I wasn't selected for the job. And um, it was heartbreaking, but what I learned from that was I needed to go back to graduate school. And the only way I could afford to go to Oregon State University to earn a master's degree was if I worked there and had staff tuition rates. So when I um, was not hired for the position at Lynn Benton Community College, fortunately for me, um, there was a position open at Oregon State University as the Associate Director of Continuing Education. And this would allow me to start my master's degree um, because I would have staff tuition rates so I could continue uh, to advance my career. And in that position, we provided um, professional development opportunities for business people in 13 Western states, um, including British Columbia. And so I had the opportunity to meet amazing faculty, uh, presenters, people in the workplace, people who own businesses while we did this work. Um, and I did that for two years. I really enjoyed being at a flagship university, kind of learning the ropes there. But then I had a phone call one day from Lynn Benton Community College, where I had been before, saying we have an opening to um, for a director for our economic development center. And we would like you to apply. So at that moment in my career, I had to decide, 
Am I gonna stay at the four-year level or am I gonna go back to the community college two-year level? And it didn't take me very long to make that decision because I love what we do at the two-year level. We're very responsive. We're very quick, nimble to meet the needs of our community. Um, so I returned to, um, to Lynn Benton um, Community College where I had completed two years of my master's program. I still had two more to go, um, but my career really took off then. And I was moved into several different um, management leadership positions. Uh, one president in particular would call me in the morning and say, Susan, you've done such a great job doing this, but now tomorrow I want you to go and I want you to go to this campus and I want you to do this. Um, so when I left Lynn Benton Community College in 1994, um, our human resources director said I was the best pitch hitter um, that the college had ever had. He said, you could do any position, do any job and do it well. And um, I love growing up there. I, I feel like that's where I grew up professionally. And they gave me opportunities to try things I had never done and to learn. So I absolutely loved my time at Lynn Benton. Then I went to Clark College in Vancouver, Washington as the Associate Dean for Education and got to work with all of the faculty across that campus. Um, it was a large two-year community college. And um, I primarily worked though, I ended up as we shuffled things around with uh, industrial trades, electronics. Um, it always seemed like I kind of came back to those workforce development programs. And um, I had really the time of my life there. Um, again, working with faculty, you might start to hear a theme. I love working <laughs> with faculty. And um, I think too often people think that's a difficult thing to do, but it's not when you remember that we're all here for the same reason, and that's for student success. So I was at Clark College in Vancouver, Washington for six years. That was the first time I worked in a state system setting because in Oregon, each college is independently accredited and we don't have that state system. So I learned um, the benefits of that where we could go into a legislative session with kind of a singular message um, of what we needed as a system to meet the needs of our students and our communities. And um, so I, I learned many, many things there. And again, was able to meet amazing professionals that guided me in my career. While I was there, I decided it was time to seek my doctorate degree. So I returned to Oregon State University, um, had already started classes and I had the opportunity to coordinate a national research grant funded by the US Department of Education. And again, that grant was new designs for career and technical education at the secondary and post-secondary levels. And that was, Dave, a pivotal, pivotal point in my career because I left a job, a professional job. I took a two thirds pay cut. I went from owning my home to living in an 800 square foot apartment, <laughs> having absolutely no money, um, you know, riding the bus up to Oregon State University, but we traveled all over the country and internationally doing this work. And, um, oh my gosh, I loved it. Um, and it, I was really able to do 
a lot of work related to my dissertation, um, you know, my research. And um, I just love that. And uh, I completed my doctorate in three years. So that shows the passion that I had for my topic um, and for what I was doing. And that leads me into the fact that I created my own business after that. Um, And that business is Wolf Designs. And I um, worked with architects and educators really around the world, across the country and around the world to design learning spaces that uh, support collaborative project-based learning. And even though my dissertation was focused at the community college level, I worked all the way pre-K, all the way up to universities. I worked with businesses. Um, and that again was you know, an amazing opportunity to test what I'm made of, can I do this? Um, and I loved it. Um, but I missed not having my own faculty. Mm-hmm. I missed not having my own institution because you can be a consultant, but until you put to practice some of the things you're advising others to do, does it really work? So I was quite eager to get back into a college setting um, and again, work with amazing faculty as they work with students. Yeah, I, yeah, I, w- I was really interested in why you left Wolf Design. So that answers that question. Yeah, yeah. It just, um, and I had the opportunity to do a few more projects, um, you know, while I was at Columbia Gorge Community College and specifically for the college um, because we had received funding from the state to build a campus in Hood River and then also to um, redo, if you will, and build a new building um, on our campus in the Dalles. That campus had been a tuberculosis hospital. So those spaces were never designed to be teaching spaces. And um, so I was able to do that um, at that college and and then worked on a project in New York City called School of One. And at that time it was at the middle school level looking at mathematics where often that's where students start to stumble in their education career. And um, that was an amazing project. And then I, also had the opportunity to work with the community colleges in the, on the Grand Cayman Island um, as they were coming back after one of the hurricanes. So I still had some, some fun things to do with Wolf Designs. There's been some other things that you've done that has kind of, um, I, I think is pretty interesting. One of the things that you've done, and that was pretty recently, I think it was in 2019, when you became a graduate of Leadership Montana. Uh, can you share with our listeners what the organization is about and what you learned from that experience? Yes, um, Leadership Montana is um, an organization that accepts, it's a a competitive process to be accepted into the program. It's eight months long. Um, Prior to the pandemic, uh, we traveled around the state to different communities. It was an opportunity for all of us. And we, I mean, some were in higher education, others were architects, some were in law, some had their own businesses, some were starting businesses. We had tribal members. We had a very, um, uh, we had an elections officer. We had an artist. So we had people of all walks of life um, traveling around the state learning 
what are the economic and societal challenges in our state? What are the wonderful things that are happening? What, what could we learn from seeing small communities have to remake themselves when their primary industries had left the region? Um, how did they survive? How did they thrive? How, what, what made some of them not thrive? What were um, policies, state policies, uh, legislative actions, federal actions? What are all the ways that we can help Montana be the most fantastic place to live, work, and do business? I mean, you know, you just, everybody comes here to play. We all know our recreation is, um, you know, top on everyone's list with our national parks and wide open spaces, et cetera. Um, but we do amazing work here at really supporting all walks of life. Um, you might live in a, what we call a city, which is really a town to many people um, who have never lived a rural life. They go through this program and they understand what it's like to own a dairy and how with uh, government regulations, what do they have to go through? Um, what's it like to try to find a talented workforce to keep my business going? Um, we learned, uh, we spend time again on one of the tribal nations and learn a lot more about, um, you know, they're, they're a sovereign nation of themselves and um, what, are what are the things that are important to their culture? Um, what can all of us learn um, about that culture to take back into our work lives? Um, so it was a professional development opportunity that not only taught us leadership skills, which we learned so much um, from the faculty who teach in the program. Uh, the books we read were just amazing. But we also learned a process called gracious space. And this is where in any conversation you have at any time, whether it's personal or professional, what kind of a spirit do you bring to the conversation? Are, are you in the conversation to learn? Are you in that conversation to listen? Um, what kind of a setting do you provide? If somebody's coming to your home or your office, are they welcomed? Are they comfortable? And I think the most important thing of the gracious space is inviting the stranger. And that is spend time with people who may have a different point of view of life, uh, may have a different political spectrum um, or perspective, excuse me. Um, and their work life, their home life, their everything that they do is way different than your own. Do you listen with open ears, with a welcoming spirit? And do you really use what you've learned in the next conversation you have? Um, and it really does teach you to be gracious because we all have different views. We all have different opinions. And frankly, none of us are right. It's a collective right that we bring everything together. Um, and then the last 
part of gracious spaces being comfortable and learning in public. It's okay to say, I don't know. Tell me more. I want well, to learn more. Um, so, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. I highly recommend it to everyone. That, that's some great advice. Is it what, 20 people? I can't remember the numbers that they No, um, usually there's about 40 or 45. Okay. okay. And, um, and again, it takes about the, um, until the third class session, you meet once a month. Excuse me. And uh, about that third class session, you all become so tightly bonded. I remember we were in Missoula. There was a raging blizzard. Some people had to drive back to Glasgow, others, you know, to Sydney, others up to, you know, Kalispell, but nobody wanted to leave. And one of the engineers in the class pulled us all together again and he said, let's all go home and get our families. And then let's all come back and we're all going to go to an island somewhere so that we can live and work and play all together. I mean, you really form tight relationships, which expands then your professional and personal networks. Wow. Yeah, I, I never had an opportunity to do that. I, I, I have friends like you that have done it and always talk really highly about that organization. Um, so let's talk about your years of leadership experience. So this might be a this might be a hard question just because <laughs> you spend so many years. What has been some of your most memorable accomplishments throughout your entire career? I think probably my greatest accomplishment has been the the work with faculty for them to learn that administrators are not the enemy. <laughs> I, I remember when a faculty member said, I shouldn't be in your office talking with you. And I said, why? He said, because you're the enemy. And I was just so taken aback. And I said, why am I the enemy? Well, you're in administration. And that's when I said, we're all here for the same purpose. And that really helped me to focus on developing those relationships right away at every institution, you know, at which I worked. Um, I love working with faculty. I really do. Um, and I love seeing student success and not just at commencement time, but when I see them in the hallway and they just passed a really hard test and they're so excited, they are just jumping out of their skin. Um, I remember one student running down the hallway, just screaming at me, I did it, I did it. And she just jumped on me. And, uh, you know, so building those personal relationships you know, to me, that's what my work and my life has been about. Um, I would say as far as programmatic accomplishments, I'm very proud of the, uh, the work at Columbia Gorge Community College where I developed the very first renewable energy technology program west of the Mississippi. It was the third program in the country. And wow. we, I mean, the, the wind farms were going up very quickly and I saw the components going down the freeway, you know, being trucked down the road. Growing up on a ranch, I knew, well, you've got equipment, you've got to have people who can put it together and maintain it. So I did a lot of research. I went and spent almost every weekend and sometimes during the day out at the wind farms to really learn what was going on, what they needed. And I found that they were importing workers from other states into Oregon at a time when we had a high unemployment rate people needing jobs. 
And again, that wasn't acceptable. So I said, we've got to create this program. And um, within a year, I had um, written and received a, a $2 million grant from the US Department of Labor. I had received $2 million from our employers. And then through Perkins dollars at the college, um, we put together a flagship program that the American Wind Energy Association awarded us for and recognized us um, for the good work that we had done. And again, we, I remember students who were in the program graduating, having opportunities to really work anywhere around the world. And they looked at me and they said, why would I do that when I can drive 20 minutes from my home and go to work? Um, that just felt so good. Um, yeah, I would say that. And um, when, I, when I think about my work at Great Falls, um, it's probably been the development of the relationships with uh, um, our state legislators, um, with all of our elected officials. Um, you know, I had done a lot of that work at Columbia Gorge, working with our congressional delegation and visiting them in, in Washington, DC. But doing that in Montana, a state where any of us can walk in the governor's office um, we call each other by first name. Um, and again, I think you take people from the rural part of our state to the more urban parts of our state. We may have different political views, but really we are all about this great state of Montana and using some of those gracious space things um, that first of all, I learned from my mother, uh, but second of all, um, was really able to hone in on those in Leadership Montana and, and listen with those open ears and having long and sometimes hard conversations, um, but to the end goal of making things better for our students and our community. So, um, but you know, the, the dental addition, the funding we got for that, um, they gave us 4.25 million without a match requirement. And wow. for, so many sessions before the institutions had had to raise additional money. And um, I just felt very blessed that they saw um, what we needed and why we needed it. And we were gonna be putting more people out into jobs that start out at 58,000 a year and very quickly go up to over $70,000 a year working maybe three or four days a week. Um, so those are some of my accomplishments, but it's truly the love of the teaching learning process, the excitement, uh, the ability of our faculty to do new things, try new things, um, and seeing our students just thrive um, and meet their, their goal and knowing that they're gonna continue on. Well then, what has been some of the biggest lessons learned along the way as an academic leader at multiple institutions? you have to be willing to listen. You have to go into conversations without a known end or decision. And I always say that I only have one brain. I need all the brains in the room. And we have a governance process here at Great Falls College MSU that includes faculty, staff, uh, managers and students. 
and we all come together for all decisions. Our budget every year, all decisions are made with all of those people because I need all of their brains. I need to hear their thinking. I need to know what life experiences that they're bringing to the decisions. Um, I think that that ability and that desire to be inclusive and collaborative have really served me well. And, and I also think for this position, it was very important that I had strong two-year and four-year leadership experience because I'm part of Montana State University, a flagship university. I've had that experience. Um, and I also had the experience of being at several um, two-year community colleges. So um, this job was made for me. It gave me the opportunity to come home to Montana and, um, and lead, lead and end my career where my career started. Um, you know, higher ed is really changing. It's, it's, it, boy, it really has changed quickly over the last eight months, but that changed, you know, people have a lot of concerns, especially our students' mental health today. How do you see our campuses tackling this problem over the next couple of years? That's a, that's a really good question, Dave. Um, I just received yesterday an email from an organization that colleges and universities can, can you know, do a contract with to provide 24 seven, you know, uh, remote um, mental health services. We've been fortunate here at Great Falls College to work with a local clinic um, where they also provide 24 seven access. Um, they will use internships from um, primarily the University of Providence, you know, who were you know, earning their degrees, master's degrees in uh, psychology, um, counseling, those sorts of things. Um, and our students in Montana, unless they have health insurance through other providers are required to take out health insurance. And in that health insurance policy, they have three free visits um, with, uh, you know, a mental health professional. And then after that, um, we, um, you know, the services are provided, um, you know, free of charge or at a very low cost sliding scale. And I would, I would venture um, that that service has been used so much this year because not only did our students have to learn how to learn differently they were, many of them, their children were home, learning from home. They may not have had the technology capabilities to be successful. They may have lost a job. A spouse may have lost a job. Um, one or more of them may have become ill with, the, you know, with COVID. So the stressors were just multiplied this last year. Um, I think with Working with adult students, we know that they have life challenges all the time. And providing them with opportunities to learn how to ameliorate those challenges. Um, Dr. Heidi Pasek, who um, formerly was our chief academic officer and has now gone back to full-time faculty, um, teaching psychology and sociology 
started probably three years ago talking with her division directors and they with their faculty about teaching students appropriate mindset for being in school and for achieving their goals. So I think, again, we were ahead of the game by um, talking about people having to develop that ability to have the appropriate mindset to be successful, no matter what challenges come their way. Um, so I, I'm proud of the Montana University system. I think we do a good job at serving the needs of our students. Where do you see higher education in general heading in the next five to 10 years? I hope that we keep what we've learned, the good things we've learned from the pandemic. Um, I see the two-year colleges moving in a direction where we're going to take more of our learning to where they are rather than expecting them to move to a campus. And that means that leaders and faculty and students will have to continually learn how to use those technologies. Uh, we will have to continue to work with Congress and our local legislators and our companies to advance broadband capability. And I know that's not just in Montana. I think all of our rural states um, have that concern as well. Um, distance learning is not new. Distance, you know, completely online programs and courses are not new. So if we re require a synchronous lecture, so I might be living in West Yellowstone and at 10 o'clock on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I have to be in the lecture for my history class. Well, that doesn't help me if I'm in a job and at 10 o'clock I'm working my job. So if I provide that lecture asynchronously and if the lecture is recorded, students can either do it synchronously or they can do it at a time when they can fit it into their schedule. So I think maybe we're going to become more, even more student focused and recognizing that their needs are ever changing. And so higher education has to change. Well, I agree. It's we're absolutely in a in a change mode right now. I, I think everybody who tries to do what we've done in the past is not going to move their is not going to meet the needs of the students to say the least. Um, so you mentioned early on in the in our conversation that spring 2021 is going to be your last semester at Great Falls College MSU since you have officially announced your retirement. So I guess my question is, how are you feeling about that? I'm, I'm feeling good about the decision. And, and this is why, um, I, you know, for years, I would say up until the last three years, I couldn't even say the R word. I mean, it just wasn't even in my vocabulary. Um, I never could foresee that I would not be doing what I've been doing and what I love. But I realized that if I stay here, others are not gonna have this opportunity. I think as a leader, we all have to recognize that maybe we have a shelf life and we need to step aside so other people can have the wonderful opportunities we've had. And that happened to me early in my career. That's why I was able to 
try all the different positions at Lynn Benton Community College and move around because the people who had been there longer were moving on to something new. So that opened up a space for me to be. Um, it's time for me to open up this space. Um, and I recognize that every time there's a change in leadership, it's an opportunity for an institution to really grow in different ways. And I'll be excited to see what happens here. Um, I'll miss the connections. I'm sure I'll come wandering through the halls and, and make sure that I still see people that I know, but um, it's, it's time. And I look forward to um, doing things that I've not been able to do. I wanna wake up in the morning and if it's a bright sunny day and it hasn't rained for a couple of days, I'm gonna say, there's a road I've always wanted to drive on and find out where it goes. And I've never had time and I'm gonna go do that. Um, I can have more time with my family and with my friends. I can go back out to Oregon and Washington and have more time and not have to rush back because of my job. So um, I'm looking forward to that, but I think the most important thing is it's time for someone else to have this wonderful opportunity. Well, you, you will absolutely be missed. You've had a lot of impact on both faculty, staff, and of course, other college administrators throughout the state. So just wanted to say, we will miss you deeply. Thank you. I, I will miss working with my colleagues for sure. Well, Susan, thanks for being a guest on the podcast today. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and chat with me today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm very appreciative to join some of my colleagues who have, have gone before me in your podcasts. And I want to thank you for doing these because, again, it's a mechanism. It's a way to help leaders who are just starting um, to really consider this work. Um, it can be helpful for those who are in the work and might need a boost, um, you know, from some of the daily tasks that we, you know, have to work with. Um, and I know that you're learning so much from this as you talk to everyone. And um, that's going to be very helpful um, in the, the work that you're going to do as, as you move forward also. Um, so thank you. It's been a pleasure. It was always a pleasure to work with you when you were the dean at Highlands College, and and uh, and this is wonderful to continue that relationship. Thanks, Susan. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.